Lately, we've been spending a lot of time, several hours really, every weekend for the last several weeks in our back garden. The house where we live has a really lovely backyard, a back garden. In the center of it, there's this lovely pahutakawa tree surrounded by hedges and some uh, rosemary bushes. There's hedges that surround the entire back garden. We have a few different citrus trees. And then our favorite part of the back garden is about 10 to 12 hydrangea bushes. The last November, December, January, the hydrangea bushes were the highlight of the back garden. In full bloom, they were absolutely beautiful. We loved waking up every morning and looking out there to see them in full bloom. But as plants do, as summer became autumn and autumn became winter, those hydrangea bushes became a collection of really long, thin brown sticks with dead flowers at the end of them. Not quite as nice as hydrangeas in full bloom. And so as we began to work in the back garden the last couple weeks, we wanted to figure out how we could get these hydrangea bushes to come back to life, how we can get them looking pretty again. My wife and I are both novice gardeners, to say the least, and so we did what all of us do when we're trying to figure out something in our modern age. We went to our phones, went to Google, and typed in how to, hand, how to take care of hydrangea bushes. And thanks to a few YouTube videos, my wife cut back, my wife and I cut back the hydrangea bushes much, much more than I would have felt comfortable doing had the internet not told me to do it. And a week later, lo and behold, the bushes are thriving yet again. There's green leaves everywhere and no doubt soon we will have lovely hydrangea flowers blooming again in our backyard. In John chapter 15, Jesus compares himself to a vine and says that his followers are the branches. So let's look together at that chapter this morning. I'm going to read to us from John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. In the same way that pruning our hydrangea bushes stimulated and encouraged our growth, Jesus tells us here that we as Christians become more fruitful as God prunes us. So the question for us today then is, how can we pursue pruning? How can we open ourselves to God's fruitful pruning so that we can produce fruit for Him and for His kingdom? In our current series, we're talking about simplicity and how focusing on the most important aspects of life, or excuse me, by doing that, we find fulfillment in the rest of our lives. More specifically, we're talking about a collection of practices that can enable us as Christians to simplify our lives, helping us to focus our energy on a relationship with God, helping us to focus on 
letting God sustain us and feed us as the branches to his vine. So today I want to talk about the practice of worship. As Christians, I think that we have forgotten how to think about worship holistically. And instead, we have constrained the meaning of worship to a few specific practices that are common to Christians across the world. So let's do this. What is the first word that comes to your mind when you hear the word worship? My guess is that most of you right now are thinking about words like music or service or night. Similar things to this, worship nights, worship services, worship music. We have taken this word worship and we've condensed it to mean this specific set of things. But it hasn't always been this way. Puritans often get a bad reputation in popular culture because most of us are only familiar with them through the Scarlet Letter or through the Salem Witch Trials or through the play The Crucible or maybe for you more academic types through Weber's Protestant work ethic. But the Puritans that settled Massachusetts, where I attended seminary and lived for many years, they were certainly austere and exacting people. But they were also deeply committed Christians who loved the Lord and who left England to settle the new world in order to build a society that worshipped God holistically. They wanted to live in a world that was God-centered at all times. Puritans thought of their entire lives as devoted to God. Since you're watching this from home, I invite you to do an experiment with me. I want you to find the closest wood piece of furniture, whether it's a coffee table, a dining table, some sort of chair, and I want you to look underneath it. And what I'm sure you'll find there is that the underside of that piece of furniture isn't finished. The stain that's on the top isn't there on the bottom. The fabric that goes across the top isn't finished across the bottom of the chair. Most chairs in our day, they're just not finished on the bottom because why would anybody look under there? Why does it matter? Until some crazy person on the computer screen tells you to look under your chair, you hadn't thought about it before. The other reason is that it's just more profitable. If you don't spend money on products or people finishing the bottom of the chairs, you produce more chairs in less time and you make more money. That's how we think as a modern capitalistic society. But to the Puritans, these practices would have been completely unthinkable. As a Puritan, you would finish the chair, the entire chair, because your work, your calling, your vocation, your daily routines, your daily actions were all an act of worship. For the Puritans, worship wasn't the Sunday gathering. It wasn't the music sung on Sunday mornings. It wasn't a special service during the week for singing songs. It was one's entire life devoted to and wrapped up in a life of worship. And I think we've lost this understanding in our time. And I think it's important that we begin today to reclaim what it means to worship. What it means to have a more holistic and complete understanding of a life of worship Because as we seek to simplify our lives, if we're able to understand that worship is part and parcel of our daily lives, that God enables us to worship Him through our daily activities, then we can simplify our lives, 
We can think about how day to day we can finish the chairs in our lives. How we can worship God with our day to day behavior. So the word worship itself occurs in the English translations of the Bible well over 200 times between the Old and New Testaments. The Greek word that's behind the translation of worship throughout most of the New Testament and the Greek version of the Old Testament, many instances, most instances, are a word that really means to bow down or to prostrate oneself before a king or a ruler. Worshiping God means laying oneself before him in complete surrender, complete obedience. It's saying that you are willing to do whatever he commands you. As a servant, your life, everything in your life, is in service to your master. As Christians, our lives are in service to the God who gives us life. So as we look back to our text in John 15, we see Jesus declaring, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. And then in verse 8, This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. We find fullness in life through Jesus. Just as, just as a plant's branches access water and nutrients through its stock, as Christians, we find fulfillment and nourishment through Jesus. And as we find that, and we find that fulfillment through worshiping Christ in our daily actions, our daily posture. Colossians 3 verse 17 says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Worshiping God is a daily practice of finishing the chair. As this verse in Colossians tells us, we are to do everything in the name of Christ. Let us consider that our life is a constant act of worship. Certainly we worship God through prayer, We worship God through singing worship songs on Sundays. We worship God through communion. We worship God through gathering together on Sunday mornings like we're doing right now, although virtually. But these acts are not the entirety of worship. That's not all worship is. Worship isn't confined to these sets of behaviors. Instead, worship is a holistic orientation of our lives. It is a way of demonstrating our obedience and living a life of obedience and worship to the God who gives us life, to Jesus who gave us life through sacrificing himself for us. So if worship means then surrendering yourself, surrendering your life to the king, then every moment is an opportunity to practice obedience. It's an opportunity to show God that He is sustaining us, that He is feeding us, that He is helping us grow, that He is pruning us to make us more like the servants that He has us to be. At the core of this idea are a couple different concepts from other parts of the Bible. In Psalm 24, we learn that the earth is the Lord's and all that is in it. So what this tells us in the context of our conversation today is that Any act of creation, whatever God has created, we as his 
people acting and living in his creation are worshiping him through interacting with the world around us. We can live a life of worship by being faithful to him in the world in which we live. He takes that concept further in Matthew 25, familiar verses about when Jesus says, whenever you clothe someone naked, you serve me. Whenever you give food to someone hungry, you serve me. As we serve others, as we live out a life of following Jesus, of living the Jesus way, we are serving God by serving the people in the world around us. Whether that's helping someone build a house, whether that's helping people at work, taking care of children, teaching children, writing a piece of music, painting a piece of art, studying hard at school. Our whole life is centered around God and worshiping Him. We live in a world that He created. He has put us in a place for a reason and put us there in a time so that we can worship and serve Him wherever He has planted us. We can grow and flourish through His nurturing wherever we are. So what might change in your life this week if you consider every part of your day as an opportunity to worship God? Because we're branches fed by Christ the vine, we continue to learn. We continue to be pruned. We continue to grow. And what we should take from that is the ability, the willingness to live life with intention. We can worship God by offering grace to our children. We can worship God through offering hospitality to our neighbors. Maybe this weekend is an opportunity to invite your neighbors over for a barbecue since it's a holiday weekend. We can worship God by being patient with that coworker who gets on our nerves. We all know there's a million ways that we, begin, we can begin to worship God in our daily lives. As we consider simplicity, I encourage you to think of this daily habit of worship not as another box to tick on your to-do list. This isn't a set of actions to add to your growing list of things to do in your life. Instead, it's reorientating your life to focus on what really matters. Understanding that worship is a way of life. It's a way of demonstrating our obedience and our service to the God who gives us life. So stop thinking about worship as just a part of your Sunday. And start thinking about worship as the defining guidance of your life. Finish the chair in your life every day. Recognizing that God is divine dresser. He is the one pruning you and providing you nutrients that you need to survive and thrive and grow. Jesus is the true vine. We are the branches. He plants us in a place and a time to serve him and to worship him with everything that we have. May that be what you think about this week as you seek to finish the chairs in your lives.